0: It's going to be a wonderful day. We enjoy that every year. We've had so many people, I think, before. 500 people turn out for that family day at uh, different years that I've been here. We're expecting uh, this year, the emphasis is really on family. We want our congregational family to be there. Our goal is everyone who's a member here and their families be here for worship on that day, September the 13th. You know that 405, that's what we're shooting for, 405. Be nice if we get over that, but we're shooting for 405. And, of course, as was explained, the money uh, that we collected, the $2, whatever, that helps pay for just the basic expense. One thing wasn't mentioned, of course, the basic meal will be provided. The hot meal will be provided, but we are asking, of course, that your family uh, supply drinks, bring along some drinks and dessert, right? Is that it? Drinks and dessert. So we usually have a great dessert table, a lot to choose from. So it's a marvelous time. And uh, please be looking in your bulletin for information about that time as well. It's not at 10 Acre Park this year. It's at another park close by over on Harper there. What do they call it? Choctaw Park? Choctaw Creek Park. That's where it'll be this year. And we're trying to get, I called the, uh, I believe it's the Northeast Congregation, uh, Brother Arnelius Crenshaw, and they have a marvelous men's old-fashioned gospel singing group that I'm trying to get to come on out and sing for us this year. Great. Uh, gospel singing group and so we should have a marvelous time so make sure you circle your calendar for september the 13th and uh, plan to be up there for your uh, for that particular for that particular day Uh, like i say lots of things Uh, i also want to take advantage of this moment here to remind you that this wednesday night begins our new fall quarter so make sure you pick up one of those uh, information sheets that gives you the class and where the class is going to be uh, a lot of great classes starting on Wednesdays and Sundays of course and this fall we're also starting our small group program we have four uh, different uh, actually five different small groups uh, going and information about that is over on the sideboard so there's plenty to do plenty to become involved in on Sundays, Wednesdays, and on other nights of the week for those who want to meet. We have prison ministry beginning at the ladies' facility in uh, McLeod. We have a Bible study group that's going to be going out there on Tuesday nights. Uh, So uh, that'll be a marvelous uh, uh, outreach program that we're beginning. Uh, Youth Bible study Thursday nights. All kinds of things going on. Good things that are happening in the growth of the church here in Chalk. Well, the title of my sermon this morning is uh, Men of Dignity and High Standing. Men of Dignity and High Standing. When you hear the title like this, uh, who do you think I'm going to be talking about? I mean, the title certainly fits the office of presidents and what we expect from them. Or I could be talking about ambassadors to important nations, men of dignity and high standing. I could be talking about CEOs of large companies or doctors or judges. But I'll mention none of these this morning in my lesson. Now when I'm saying men of dignity and high standing, I'm speaking about words that describe the role of deacon in the Lord's church. There are some people that do have high standing in the world are not qualified to be deacons in the Lord's Church because in the Lord's Church the Lord is looking for men of dignity and high standing today is going to be kind of a practical lesson real application type lesson the elders uh, of our congregation see the need to appoint new deacons and they've asked me to teach a lesson concerning their qualifications their tasks and how these deacons are selected Now, those of you who are members here know that I've preached extensively on this topic in the past, so I'm not going to do a whole series. I'm going to compress all of that into one lesson this morning and uh, share that with you. First of all, let's understand what the Bible says that a deacon is. What is a deacon? What does the Bible say? Well, first of all, the Bible says that a deacon is a servant, a servant. The word deacon comes from a Greek word which literally means a waiter or a server of tables. The word came to refer simply to a person who waited upon another, a personal servant. That's what the word comes from. Now, in the church context, the word deacon came to refer to individuals who rendered service in every aspect to the church. In Acts chapter 6, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 6 a little bit later, we see or we will see that their task was to distribute food to the poor. That was their task originally uh, in the Bible, according to what the the authors uh, are writing there. So what is a deacon? A deacon is a servant. Secondly, a deacon is a servant who is qualified. And there is a big difference there. You see, everybody in the church serves in one way or another, or hopefully they do. Everybody in the church serves, but not everybody can serve as a deacon. See the difference there? Everybody serves, but not everybody serves in the role of deacon. A person becomes a deacon because they fulfill certain qualifications for this role laid out by the Bible. Now, there are two places in the scriptures that specifically mention the qualifications of deacons. And I want you to turn to one of those passages now in Acts chapter 6. We're going to be in two passages this morning, so please have your Bibles out. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. And I'll be reading those verses, and you can find that. Acts chapter 6, verse 1 to 3. Chapter 6 begins, Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number... Notice the church was growing. A complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews. Those were the Greek Jews, the Greek converts, against the native Hebrews, the ones who were living in Jerusalem, who had come from Jerusalem, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, it is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. The apostle said, look, there's a need. We've got to serve food. but well, we're not going to neglect our job. Our job's to teach. We've got to be teaching and preaching and, and ministry of prayer. That, that's our task. We're not going to neglect that task. Therefore, it says, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. Well, in Acts chapter six, verses one to three, I want you to notice the first four qualifications for a person to become a deacon. First of all, Peter said, they must be men. They must be men. That's not a popular thing to say in this day and age. In the religious world, there's a lot of contention about this idea, but let's just look at what the scripture says. Let's just let the Bible guide us in this idea. Peter says, Select from among you seven men. He didn't say seven humans, he said seven males. If there was ever an inspired opportunity to establish women in the role of deacons, this was it right here. This was it. Peter could have said, Select three men and four women. He could have said, Select one man and six women, but he didn't. He could have told them to select all women because this task was normally done by women. I mean, the serving of food to the elderly was usually a task done by women in that society, not men. But he didn't. He specifically said seven men when he could have said many other things, but didn't. You know, the Holy Spirit, you have to understand, If, it's, if the argument is, well, that was male-centrist thinking in those days. But remember now, this is not... Peter speaking. Oh, it's his mouth that's moving. This is the Holy Spirit that is speaking here. The Holy Spirit at this crucial time, knowing the future, knowing that in the future there would be a rise in the position and the importance of women in society, nevertheless inspired Peter to say that the diaconate should be filled with men. I mean, when you're arguing this fact, you're arguing against The wisdom of God at this particular time. So first, qualification of deacons, they must be men. Secondly, they must be men of good reputation. Not just any old guy, not not just any good old boy. I mean, this, this men of good reputation, it says what it says. It means what it says. You don't need me to translate that for you, to explain that for you. This means that when a man's name is mentioned in church or in his home or in business circles or in the community, the feedback is good. If you mention the name of a certain man anywhere in the community, those people say, Oh, yeah, he's a good guy. Oh, that's a good family man. And so on and so forth. You see, if they think badly of you outside the church, your work will suffer inside the church. Third qualification they must be men full of the spirit and wisdom. You see, for Peter, These are one and the same. A man full of the Spirit is a man full of wisdom of God's Word. You see this in the fact that he is knowledgeable of God's Word and has learned through experience how to put God's Word into practice in his own everyday life. That's what wisdom's all about. Wisdom is the ability to put into practice God's Word in your life. That's wisdom. That's the kind of man we're looking for. Many times we forget that the Bible stresses the fact that deacons have to be holy men and faithful men in order to be qualified, and not just men who are good with tools. There are a lot of men good with tools. The Bible doesn't mention that at all, not one time. The Bible talks about men who are holy men and good men, faithful men, wise men. Fourth uh, qualification, the most, the most forgotten qualification. Boy, do we make a mess here. Fourth qualification. You know what it is? Men who can manage. Men who can manage. Whom we may put in charge of this task. Men who can manage. You know, the biggest mistake we make in the church organization is that we get the elders to manage the tasks instead of shepherd the sheep, and we get the deacons to do the tasks instead of training and managing others to do the tasks. And you know what the result is? And I, I'm not getting hard on you all because I mean, I've seen this everywhere. You know what the result of this is? You know what happens when this happens? Uh, uh, let me run it down for you. This is what happens. You get the preacher shepherding the flock. The preacher gets to be the boss instead of proclaiming the word. And you get the elders managing the tasks instead of shepherding the souls. And you get the deacons doing the tasks instead of managing and training others to do the tasks. And you know what? You get the saints doing nothing except coming to church services and watching and commenting on how everybody else is doing the Lord's work. And that's why 90% of the work in the church is done by 30% of the people, and many people are bored, and many become discouraged, and many become apathetic. The apostles understood this idea, and this is why they as leaders did not want to be drawn into the situation where their main job was managing tasks. They said, we are not going to do this. That's not our mi- this is an important ministry. These women need to be fed, but this is not our task. We will select good, wise, faithful, holy men, and we'll make them manage this task. When a church appoints deacons who can and will manage, then everybody will be involved everybody will be doing what the bible says they should be doing from the top to the bottom and the church will become so much more effective all right turn your bibles to first timothy chapter three please and we'll look at some more qualifications that the bible gives there are not many passages that don't need to be they say pretty much everything that needs to be said first timothy chapter three Now, as the church grew in the first century, there also grew the need to provide more information concerning church organization. And so in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 to 13, Paul lists some other qualifications that those who would serve as deacons needed to have. So read along with me. Chapter uh, 3, verse 8, Paul says, deacons likewise must be men of dignity, not double-tongued, or addicted to much wine, or fond of sordid gain, but holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. These men must also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate and faithful in all things. Deacons must be husbands of only one wife, and good managers of their children and their own households. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. And so Paul adds some more qualifications here. First of all, notice he says, deacons must be men. Notice that. Look look at it again. Deacons likewise must be men. Note that Paul, many years after Peter's instructions in the book of Acts, repeats the same basic premise, that deacons are to be men. He adds more information concerning their character, but still he begins with the idea that men need to fulfill this role in the church. So he says, what does he say about these men? They're to be virtuous. Peter says they're to be full of spirit and wisdom. And Paul defines this spirit and wisdom in the practical virtues. He says, they're to be men who are dignified. You know what that means? That doesn't mean snobbish. That means there are men that have poise, self-control. You know, a guy with his feet on the ground. They're to be men who are honest, not hypocrites, double-tongued. They say what they mean, they mean what they say. If they say they're going to be there, they're going to be there. If they say this is going to get done, it gets done. They are sober. They're not addicted. In those days, addicted to wine. Today, addicted to wine, booze, beer, tobacco, drugs, whatever. In those days, their addictions were a little limited. But they understood about addiction. They're not men who are addicted. They are trustworthy. Not greedy, not swindlers, not, I guess, another way of saying this, they're not money-hungry. You know, people who have a problem with money, they either try to steal it or they try to control it. And that's not good for deacons. Because deacons who manage, manage money. And some deacons manage a whole lot of money. So they must be trustworthy. And then he says they must be faithful. You know, what they believe and what they do is in sync, no bad conscience. They understand the gospel, they live according to the gospel, and they can live with themselves. They can look at themselves in the mirror and say, yeah, I'm okay. Note that the emphasis is on their character and not if they can get lumber at wholesale, which is what we tend to do. Hey, let's get this guy. He works over here. We can, you know, man, live, we can get free stuff. Or we don't have to pay a heat and air guy. Let's get this guy. Not the way that works. Character character, is what is important. Not once in the Bible does it ever mention a man's trade. Never. But it says a lot about his character. Thirdly, they're men. They're men of virtue. Thirdly, he said they are proven. They are men that are recognized by the congregation as faithful and competent long before they're appointed. It's like a gimmick. Yeah, sure, of course. They are successful, number four. They're successful. Once again, the emphasis is on success in family, not in business. Same thing with the elders. The emphasis for elders is success in family, not success in business. And many times churches make that mistake. Hey, Ma, he's a good guy. He's wealthy. He knows how to run his business, yada, 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 yada. We ought to say, does he know how to run his family? That's what's important. Deacons are successfully married to only one woman and show their ability at managing by managing their own homes. Brothers and sisters and friends, some men are great at doing tasks. Really, they're great. They're artists, they're tradesmen, they're whatever. They're terrific at doing tasks, but they don't know how to manage their homes. These men should not be deacons. Now, note, it's at this point that Paul makes a parenthetical statement about the character of the deacons' wives. You know, it drives me nuts, all this argument about, who is he referring to here in women? Well, who else? He's talking about deacons. And since they've already made clear that deacons are men, this reference here obviously speaks about the wives of those men. And all of us who have been in the church for a little while understand that an elder's wife or a deacon's wife is a key element of his success in his ministry, and that includes preachers. And so he makes an aside talking about the type of wife this deacon needs to have. She should be poised and dignified. In other words, she's not out of control. Not out of control. She's contained. She can contain herself. She is discreet. Deacons who manage sensitive areas need wives who are discreet. I don't even have to explain that. You know what I mean. She is sober. She is not addicted. She is not an addictive person. She's not an obsessed person. She is sober-minded. Serious. And she is faithful in the same way as her husband. She is faithful to the Lord. She is faithful to her family. She's faithful to her congregation. She's faithful to her community. She is a faithful person. Now, don't get me wrong. I say some men have a lot of talent, but because they don't have success in their families, they shouldn't be deacons. I didn't say they shouldn't serve. I mean, if we were denied serving the Lord just because we're sinners or weak, none of us would serve. Certainly not myself. So when looking for a deacon, what kind of man are we looking for? We're looking for a special guy. We're looking for a man who is faithful and mature as a Christian, a person who has managed his home well, and who is willing to manage the affairs of the church conscientiously. That's what we're looking for. Now, how do we select deacons although everyone in the church is supposed to serve in one way or another only the deacons are assigned to serve in a specific way how they are selected is also provided in the brief story back in Acts six so flip back to acts so much information in such a little passage we don't have much but what we have is enough now we're going to look the same passage but this time We're going to look at it from the perspective, how did they choose these fellows? Well, the first step was defining the need. The elders defined the need. Verse 1 and 2. I read again. Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose upon the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, it is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. The apostles define the need. We've got to feed these people, but we are too busy. We have another ministry that's calling on us, so we have a need here. Can you imagine? There must have been a large ministry here because they said they needed seven men to manage it and oversee it and then accomplish it. Seven deacons for one ministry here. You know, we take one guy per ministry here. Seven of them just for the food distribution. There must have been a tremendous need at that time. Nevertheless, the first step was to identify the need and the task at hand. The apostles did that. Secondly, they established the qualifications in verse 3, and I've read that before. The apostles reminded the church that the ministry given to them by Christ was that of teaching and preaching and prayer. And so they defined the task, and they set forth the qualifications required for those who could take on this task. So, uh, defined the task, established the qualifications, and thirdly, the candidates were chosen. Verse 5, the statement found approval with the whole congregation. In other words, what the apostles said, found approval with the congregation, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, Nicanor and Timon, Permenius and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. Note that the apostles put into the hands of the church the task of choosing those men who fulfilled the qualification. They didn't go around saying, oh, he, okay, you, 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 you. They didn't do that. They said, you choose. You know these men. Don't forget, they were a much larger congregation than we are. They were in the tens of thousands. We're four 400. So. so they put the burden on the church. And so the church followed the apostles' instructions and they brought seven men forward that are named here. And that's when the fourth step was done. And that is the candidates were appointed by the leadership, by the apostles. Verse 6, read it. And these they brought before the apostles and after praying, they laid their hands on them. Once the church put forth the candidates, the apostles who served as leaders of that church, appointed them through the laying on of hands and prayer. Now, in those days, the laying on of hands by the apostles conferred not only a blessing or an approval, but also uh, miraculous powers, because we read a little later on that Stephen and Philip were doing miraculous things. Today, we still lay hands to uh, confer approval and blessing. We still do that. When I first uh, came to work here and was officially hired, the elders at that time came up here on stage and introduced me to the congregation. We had a prayer, laid hands in the sense that we held hands, but it was a way of saying to the congregation, this minister has been approved by the elders. We present you this servant. And that goes on today. We still do that today. Of course, they haven't given me miraculous powers (laughs) because that uh, uh, ability uh, stopped Uh, with the death of the apostles. Today, the laying on of hands and prayers is to confer a blessing and an approval. Now, there's nothing else in the Bible to suggest that these qualifications and this process for choosing deacons has changed. So we go with this. This is what we have. It's not a lot, but it's enough. It tells us what we should do. It gives us who, what kind of qualifications they should have, who should do the choosing, how they should be approved, what type of tasks they should do, and so on and so forth. So we have enough in, in the Bible. So now we get to, let me just finish up here a few more minutes. We have to define the tasks, so let's do that. Here in Choctaw, now we get it practical, we bring it home, okay? We have four tasks, we need four deacons here in Choctaw. The first task that needs to be defined is this. We need someone who will manage the area of audio, visual, and media ministry. We use microphones, lighting, overheads, slides, video, film during our worship and during our classes. And when the auditorium is finished in the renovation, we'll also have TV monitors in the back to help the people in the back have a better view of the front. We'll also have computer-aided graphics on a large screen back here so that you'll be able to see the words of the songs more clearly and even the outline of the lesson and announcements. All of this requires a tremendous amount of work and coordination. So we need a deacon who will be responsible not only for the setup and the maintenance of this equipment, but also who will train and direct uh, all the people, you know, we need people on the soundboard and the video and all that stuff, someone who will manage and uh, oversee that area. So that's the first area audiovisual and media ministry the second area is worship ministry we need a deacon who will not only assign duties because we have some deacons doing that already we'll be reorganizing that but there are a lot of things that happen in the worship prayer leaders are uh, chosen song leaders communion servers people who prepare the communion people who read scripture those who uh, uh who take care of the statistics the baptistry all those things We need someone who will be able to plan worship so that the songs and the prayers and the preaching will all be integrated to form a wholesome and meaningful and biblical experience for every single individual that works uh, worships here each sunday we need someone who can train others to pray in public and read and lead singing and so on and so forth finally the deacon in this area should be able to manage the supplies and the people and the work and coordinate with the brother who's going to be in charge of all the audiovisual stuff. So there's a lot of work that goes on in this area. So we need a deacon to uh, oversee, well, that's the wrong word, but to manage the area in worship. Thirdly, we need a visitor services uh, ministry uh, deacon. Each week, we're glad to have visitors. Kenneth says we're glad to have you. He always says the same thing every week, but he means it, and so do I. We're happy to have visitors. Some are relatives of members visiting from out of town. Some are guests of members. Others are recent people who have moved into the community who are looking for a church home. And still others are non-Christians who are searching for meaning and truth in their lives. And they've come here perhaps to find that. We need someone who will be dedicated to meeting the needs of these people from the minute they drive into the parking lot to the minute they drive out of the parking lot and every step of the way around. This includes follow-up letters, a personal visit at home, an effort to bring them into our church family, organizing and training ushers and greeters, info desk people, and so on and so forth. You know, there are over 750 new homes that are going up in this area. There are new jobs at tinker and the possibility that we will have our own TV program. The elders and I are discussing that at this very time. You know, a TV program filmed here. People will see the inside, called actually Inside the Church of Christ people be in our classes in our worship period all of these things points to more and more visitors several weeks ago we had over 20 visitors at our worship service this increase tells us that there's a need for someone to take charge of this very important part of our church work and coordinate it to make sure that it works with all the other areas and then finally education ministry we have many fine teachers and helpers in our program and it's divided basically into three parts. You know that. We have adult education, junior education, and early childhood. Adult education is uh, youth group and up, and I'm the coordinator. That means I plan the curriculum, I find the teachers. Uh, junior education, grade 1 to 6, Jerry Cave and Don Furch are coordinators there, and they do that work. And then, of course, Nisi uh, Henderson is uh, the coordinator for early childhood education she took over recently from Laverne Shepherd who had been doing this for many years. Our Bible class program on Sunday and Wednesday has grown to include over 50 people who are teachers and helpers. That's a lot of people. A lot of people and thousands of dollars worth of materials. We need a deacon to manage the education ministry and work with all of our coordinators and teachers and helpers. So those very briefly are the four tasks that we need deacons for. Audiovisual and media ministry, worship ministry, visitor services, and education. How will we choose? What's left to do is to ask you, the congregation, to review these needs and to suggest men who might be qualified to serve as deacons over these areas. If you notice, if you got a sermon outline, and if you didn't, you can get one on the way out. At the back, you have uh, a suggestion box there. We ask that you fill out the special area now, or at home, take your time, think about it, and then give these sheets back to myself, or actually I would prefer that you give them back to the elders. Give them the sheets with your suggestions. The elders will then interview the men that you have put forth, and if they fulfill the biblical qualifications, the elders will announce and appoint these new deacons at a service in the near future. Please do not feel that you have to submit a name. You know, if you don't have any idea who could do the worship ministry, then don't put a name there. But if you have an idea of a man who fulfills the qualifications, who can do the job, then put his name down and leave to the elders the task of deciding if that man is truly qualified in all the areas that we've talked about. You may have a man in mind and not sure about all the ideas, Well, that, that, uh, all the qualification. Well, that's what the elders are going to do. They're going to make doubly sure that that individual is qualified biblically. From the congregation, we need suggestions, okay? Well, today's lesson was instructional and functional, talked about organizations, kind of a nuts and bolts type lesson where we have to do a little work. I don't want to uh, neglect the fact that there may be some of you who may need ministry this morning. If you've decided to become a Christian this week and decided today was the day and you need to come forward and confess Christ and be baptized, that's fine. Don't let the fact that I've talked about deacons you know, dissuade you from coming to Christ today. And if you need to respond and, and be restored to Jesus because you have sinned, because you've fallen away through neglect, then that's fine. You come forward also and we'll pray for you. And if you'd like to place membership with our fine congregation, uh, also we invite you to do that. We're going to be singing a song of invitation at this time. And if you have any particular need, we encourage you to come forward now as we stand and as we sing. And as we sing. And as we sing. And, and as we sing and